For those of you that missed the interview I did last week with today's guest, Kristen Waitlebot, please go back and listen to it. Chris is the author of a book titled An Unlikely Addict, and she shared her story of substance abuse with us. So welcome back, Chris. Thank you, Julie. I really want to commend you for turning your struggles into a drive to help others. And you are doing this in multiple ways, which is what we're going to talk about today. But first, I want to talk about the fact that you are still a practicing ER nurse. And I'm curious if those working with you now know your history and if the hospital is using you as a spokesperson by chance to encourage a culture of self-reporting. Uh, yes. So most of the people that I work with know my story. I'm very open about sharing my experiences for a bunch of reasons. Number one on that list, I think, is hoping to reduce some of the stigma that surrounds substance mm -hmm. use disorder, in particular with nurses, because it can really prevent people from reaching out to, for help. Mm -hmm. And so just helping people to see that recovery is possible. Uh, I've been in recovery for 16 years now, almost 17. Thank you. And um, certainly I am not the only one, right? If I can recover, so can anybody. So I think it's really important to share our stories for that reason. I also think it's good for leadership to know that um, programs exist in this country and in certainly in my state of Wisconsin to help nurses when they do have a problem with substance use disorder. Um, so I think it's important for them to know that. Uh, do they share my story? No. Uh, leadership is pretty quiet about it. Uh, I'm not sure exactly if that's just because they want to be respectful of me or mm -hmm. if they're afraid to talk about it or maybe a little of both. Uh, but currently not using me to or using my story to help others. Hopefully that will change, though, at some point. Yeah, I suspect if your peers are aware of it and um, you're open about it, then word will trickle out and hopefully reach somebody that maybe is struggling and knows that you're a safe space that they can come to and, and, and talk. Yeah. And you had talked a little bit about uh, previously when we had talked about your book that you wrote. Did you, you, I think you started out writing that as just more of a cathartic uh, thing for yourself? Yes. Yeah, so my therapist at the time thought it would be good for me to, to try and write down my story, really just as a way to get it out and to help deal with it, because a lot of it was overwhelming for me. Uh, mm -hmm. So she said, just put it on paper and just start writing it down. After it was maybe three quarters of the way down or so, she asked me what I thought about publishing it. And I just kind of laughed because I thought I said to her, I said, who would want to read it? Like I, it didn't never occurred to me that was the reason that I was writing it down. Mm -hmm. uh, but with her encouragement and her saying, I think a lot of people need to hear your story. Mm -hmm. uh, I finished it and, and I did publish it. Um, mm -hmm. And so I share it with as many folks as I can, just because I want, again, people to know that recovery is possible. And if you need help with that, this is what you can do to get that help. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I'm in the middle of reading it. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm in the middle of reading it. 
tell us about, uh, oh, first I want to ask you in a, in a previous conversation again that we had, you had mentioned that you went back to the original hospital that uh, discovered that you were diverting and you educated your peers. We had talked in the last interview that you had said you maintained your performance, but yet there were signs that they should have seen and they missed it completely. And so I think you went back to that employer and you educated those people that you had worked with as to what they missed. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about and, and how that went? Sure. So I drove by that hospital on my way home from work every day at the time. This was, I think, in about 2015, 2016, maybe somewhere around there. Uh, and as I passed the hospital one day, I just thought, oh, I should give my manager a call. She was always very kind to me. And so we had spoken a couple of times over the years. And I called her and for whatever reason in the conversation, I said, hey, if you ever want me to come back and speak to everyone about my experiences, I'd be happy to do that. And she said, oh, I think that'd be a really good idea. And I kind of went, whoa, what did I just say? What? Yeah. I couldn't believe yeah, that. You were supposed to say yes. Yes, she wasn't supposed to. Um, so I did go back shaking and a little bit, you know, panic stricken sure. yeah. <laughs> to, to speak to everybody. But um, full auditorium went and shared my story. Really, the presentation was substance use disorder and nurses. Well, it was nurses and addiction at the time. Um, and then I kind of sprinkled my story through it so that they could see, you know, the commonalities, I guess. And I talked about some of the things that I showed that could have indicated to them that I was using. And some of those we talked about last time, but I'll just very briefly, um, mm -hmm. taking extended breaks or more frequent breaks, I should say, and shaking because of the drug use, you get shaky, uh, something that I wasn't before, at least to that degree. And irritability, a personality change. So I, you know, a friendly, outgoing person, all of a sudden I'm very irritable and kind of snipping at people. Um, those kind of things were certainly indicators that I had been using. Uh, and then also heavy wastage. You know, I would take as much um, whatever narcotic I could before treating a patient and then saying, oh, we ended up not using it. Will you co-sign? Uh, even though they had never seen me waste anything because I hadn't actually wasted it, but they would sign off on that and doing the counts by myself. Oh, you know, you're busy. I'll just go do it quick. You don't have to come with me and having them sign off on it, even though they didn't see it. So things like that. Um, I went back and, and shared that with them just to let them know these were some of the signs. These were the things that I know people saw, uh, but just didn't connect the dots. I guess you could yeah. say. No, I think that's great. I mean, we can say those things, watch for those things, but it's kind of this theoretical. Um, and when you're talking to people that actually saw those things, you know, they saw those things happen because they were working with you. I think that really just brings it home and makes them realize substance abuse is a legitimate issue. And there are healthcare workers that are struggling with that. And one could be in your unit. And so you really do need to kind of keep that open mind toward that and not help them make excuses to, to cover it up. So I think it's fantastic that you had the courage to, to go back and, and to do that for them. You also work with Veritas. Tell us about Veritas and the work that you're doing with them. 
Yeah, well, Veritas is a virtual treatment program for um, healthcare professionals. So nurses, doctors, pharmacists, any healthcare professional. Um, and I am a nurse coach with them. So as part of the treatment program, each person in the program gets a coach. And so I um, am blessed to work with the nurses that go through our programs. And as a nurse coach, I just kind of guide them through that whole process of, you know, for those that lose their license, you know, licensure issues, surrendering their license, applying to get it back, the programs that they have to join and go through. Uh, just to, as a guide, offer some advice, you know, this is how it worked for me, this is what I did. Um, when I went to get my nursing license back, it was 2007, so I had been without a license for about two and a half years. Um, I had no guidance and no one to tell me what to do or how yeah. to do it. Or uh, So in Wisconsin, there's no peer support program, there's nothing to help someone through it. So I just, it's really the favorite, my favorite thing that I get to do mm -hmm. now is to work with those nurses and help them through that process because it's so overwhelming. That's fantastic. Um, it feels really good to do that. Yeah. The problem is there, for nurses, there aren't a lot of nurses in our program. And the reason for that is because uh, typically, not typically, it's getting better, but often nurses lose their job when they are caught uh, with a substance use disorder. And they lose their job, they lose their insurance, and they lose their ability to pay for treatment. And treatment, as people know, is expensive. Um, so we don't get a lot of nurses in our programs because they can't afford it. Hmm. Um, so that's one thing that we're working on hard is how do we get nurses to be able to get um, treatment in our in our programs because they are really effective. Yeah, I, I've worked with some facilities where their intent is to terminate, but they do not terminate until the nurse has, if the nurse wants to go, or, or any healthcare worker, if they want to go into treatment, they will keep them employed so that they can continue to use their insurance, even if the intention is to terminate, you know, we're not gonna bring you back, but which almost seems like, well, why not give them a chance? But I guess they haven't got there yet, you know, still working on that piece of it, but they at least do let them stay employed so they can use that insurance. So I guess one step at a time. Right. Do you offer those coaching services outside of Veritas or just for those that are part of that program? Really currently just for those that are part of that program. I do okay. some um, individual non-professional um, work like 12 step work with nurses and certainly guide them through the process in Wisconsin. Sure. Um, it was, there are different kinds of programs, uh, monitoring programs. In Wisconsin, we have just the nursing board and they handle all of the monitoring. And there's no peer support program or anything like that. Other states like New York, for instance, has a monitoring program that's separate from the nursing board. And then they have an additional nursing peer support program. So it's kind of a three organizations that work together. Mm -hmm. um, and so in Wisconsin, my friends and I, other nurses in recovery, are starting uh, the Wisconsin Peer Alliance for Nurses, which is okay. a peer support program for nurses here in Wisconsin. Because I think it's really important that, so, that they have some guidance on what are the next steps to do and how does it, how does it work? 
you know, how do, what to expect is just so overwhelming when you don't know which way to go next. So, right. So what is your goal for that? You see that working hand in hand with the board of pharmacy and those in recovery programs to then offer the, the peer support piece of right. it, the, the coaching and the encouragement and, and, and I guess post recovery, uh, post official recovery that you go through and then you stay in contact and continue to support each other. Is that how you see that working? Definitely. So we will have like support groups led by nurses in recovery. And then also there's a second arm of the program, which is education. So we will have nurses in recovery going to hospital facilities and um, academic institutions and public events too, sharing about nurses and substance use disorder and what to look for and where to go for help. So that again, number one, to decrease stigma so they can see that recovery is possible and you know we recovering nurses can be just as good as if not better than any other nurse right mm -hmm. um, and then just to raise awareness on the issues so that other people know what to look for and what to do if they see it that's great do you find that a high percentage of those that have recovered are willing to share their story um no yeah <laughs> no but yeah. there are four of us right now okay um, which yeah. is a start Yes, absolutely. And maybe with time, um, as people step up, then others and, and once they, like you said, you weren't probably ready to do that right away either. It took you some time to get through that. So, okay. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And then you're also involved with International Nurses Society on Addictions, right? So what does that organization do? So we're a society that uh, works not just nurses with addictions, it's nurses who work in addictions, in the field of addictions nursing. Um, so all nurses that work with addictions, whether it's in behavioral health hospitals, outpatient centers, um, and then we network and educate each other. Uh, so we have chapters really all over the world, Brazil, Portugal, um, Ireland, Spain, I'm trying to think of all the places, lots of places, the UK. Um, and we network together and, you know, determine best evidence-based practices, right? What are the best ways to help uh, our patients? So it's really a awesome society. And there's chapters throughout the United States also. Yeah, I did notice that, that it was international and there were quite a few, but I noticed not all states have a chapter. Right. What is, uh, can you give our listeners an idea of what's involved in starting a chapter? So it's really easy to start a chapter. The global society, helps you through it, gives you all the tools that you need. Um, it's really mainly just getting a couple few nurses interested in the field of addictions together um, and deciding yep, this is our chapter and we're gonna start a chapter. It's really simple. Okay, yeah, and they guide you through what, what you need and the resources to do it, that's great. Well, you're a very busy woman. A little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, aside from decreasing workload, which may be hard for our hospitals right now. Do you have any suggestions on what can be done in the workplace to help to minimize stress for nurses in particular, but healthcare workers in general? And have you seen facilities implement anything that's been successful? Because obviously, you know, as I've learned is that those that develop a substance abuse problem often have these triggers and, and this history, but also, so, you know, I mean, that kind of sets them up for that, but minimizing their stress 
outside of work and work, I'm sure plays a role in it. So do you see anything or suggest, do you have any suggestions on how we can minimize some of those stressors in the workplace? Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's hard to minimize, especially now with this pandemic and the stress that's put on everyone. Um, hard to minimize the stress that is there, but certainly can do things to help nurses learn how to deal with it. Um, okay. For instance, at where I work now, they have what they call a Zen den. Mm. And it's a room, a quiet room um, in the hospital where nurses and not just nurses, anyone can go, um, but staff can go. It's a quiet room with, you know, light lighting that's very subtle and it has soft music playing. There's a mat in the corner if you want to do yoga or meditation. There's all kinds of books on um, yoga and meditate, not yoga, but meditation and um, meditational, like devotional kind of books. There's some religious things there, all different religions, um, just a place where you can go and relax in a nice, quiet space. So I think that's a great thing to have. The only other or the only break rooms I remember are loud uh, mm -hmm. with a refrigerator in it that has food in it that's probably not safe to eat. And it's just not a very <laughs> friendly place. Um, so this is just a really nice place where you can go to de-stress, um, which I think is a great thing. Um, I think some of the other things that we could do is uh, to give nurses some added bonuses for picking up extra shifts. I understand that right now we're in a spot where Nurses are being asked left and right to pick up more hours, put in more hours, more hours. Uh, and here's some more money. They throw ridiculous amounts of money at us to get us to pick up those hours. Mm -hmm. I think it would be great if instead of continuing to increase the money, maybe give uh, certificates for a massage, give a certificate to join a gym, give certificates for um, yoga, you know, sessions, things like that, or even mm -hmm. have a list of ther therapy, like not to say they need a therapist, but some maybe therapist who would teach them some DBT skills or skills to cope with, you know, daily stressors. Right. Instead of just here's some more money, here's some more money, come work some more hours, maybe here's something, some self-care things that you can do to thank you for putting in these extra hours and working so hard. Yeah, that's um, an interesting concept. Yeah, it kind of, it doesn't force them, but it provides them with the financial means to go do something they wouldn't normally maybe do for themselves. Or yeah, I have the certificate for a massage, I'm not gonna waste it, you know, right. let me go and make the time to use it. Yeah, that's a great idea, yeah. And the other thing I think important to note uh, is just the culture in the hospital, particularly in places like the emergency rooms and the ICUs that are so busy and high stress, not that they're not all high stress, because of course they are, yeah. but um, there's a lot of talk about drinking and alcohol and I'm going to, oh, this, this shift has been awful. I'm going to go home. I've got a bottle of wine waiting for me at home. I can't wait to get home. I hear that all the time or, you know, people saying, oh, let's go out and get, let's go out to you know, the bar and have a couple drinks this night has been so bad. Um, I think we really need to work at shifting that culture from, you know, I, they think of that as self-care, I think, but switching the self-care uh, to from alcohol and other unhealthy kind of behaviors to mm -hmm. things that are healthier, like, you know, oh, let's go, I have a, 
couple tickets for a massage. Let's go do that. Or would you like to go for a hike with me? It's going to be beautiful this weekend. You know, just to kind of change the culture um, as it is now to things that are a little healthier, a little bit more. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting thought, because for people that do not have a substance abuse problem, you know, it's not really that that glass of wine is necessarily going to fix everything. It's just, oh, I finally get to sit down and put my feet up and, you know, maybe have a conversation with somebody and enjoy a tasty beverage. Right. But you don't you look at it, you think about it differently when you're coming from that perspective. That, that's an interesting that's a very interesting perspective that I, I wouldn't have thought about. Chris, is there anything else that you want our listeners to to know, to understand, to think about, to consider? Um, I think just to leave you with the the idea that nurses, just as every other human, uh, get issues with substance use disorders um, and can recover just like everyone. Uh, we really need to work at decreasing the stigma so that people can reach out for the help that is so desperately needed without feeling like a pariah or like the worst human. You know, we are all human and we struggle and we need help and we just need to be able to reach out for that help safely. Absolutely. That's a good final message here. All right. I want to thank you so much for your time today and uh, keep up the good work. It's great what you're doing. Thank you, Terry. Thanks for letting me share. Sure.